Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Coming up on today's show, we have metal and a load of other genres thrown into boot with Cork band God Alone. We have trad and some funeral and embalming talk as well with Sligo artist Bree Jean. While new music at the end of the podcast comes from former Otherkin artist Luke Riley, aka Blood Donor, who plays his debut show this Saturday at the Workman's Cellar in Dublin. So that's all to come, but first up, Cork five-piece God Alone are Jake O'Driscoll on guitar and vocals, Kean Milan on bass and vocals, Sean Thompson on guitar, Dylan Kelly on keys, and Jack O'Hanlon on drums. They've just released their second album, ETC, etc., on Prosthetic Records, and like you'll hear me say during our chat, I think it's one of the most exciting Irish albums of the year. They've got that heavy, heaving element of metal, but they infuse it with talking heads and Foles influences. Maybe it's because I also love that first Foles album's antidotes that I think, etc. is so good, but man, it's so good. Taking their name, God Alone from an Altar of Plague song, ETC follows debut album Pole and Roan in 2018, a remixes album and a self-titled EP that arrived in 2019. Released while they were still in school, Poland and Roan was a concept album about mental health dedicated to the victims of Our Lady's Hospital. So that straight away marked God Alone out as something a little bit different to what you might expect from a metal band. Metal bands, please don't come at me. They're brilliant live too, and have some Irish dates coming up. They're playing Voodoo in Belfast on November 2nd, The Workmen's Club in Dublin on November 3rd, Oris and Gale in Galway November 4th, Pharmacia in Limerick on November 5th, and then Cypress Avenue in Cork on November 10th for one of, if not their biggest show to date. They're going to be supported by 10 Past 7 and Actual Acid, the latter of whom has a brilliant debut album coming out this Friday, just FYI. I talked to Jake and Kian from God Alone over Zoom from the MTU recording studio where they were hard at work a couple of weeks ago. Let's take a listen to some of the opening track on ETC. This one is called Tinfoil in the Woods. It kind of comes up a couple of times during our chat. So this is a good one to listen to, I think. And then afterwards, you'll hear the guys introduce themselves. You'll hear their voices, their dulcet tones. And then we'll get into a fun chat with God alone.
Hi, my name's Jake. Yeah, uh, my name is Keel. Talking about your new album, ETC, etc. I don't know which which you prefer. ETC, etc. It's all grand, it's all grand <laughs> with us. I've only listened to the couple of tracks that you've put out to date. I'm pretty safe, assured in calling it like one of the most exciting albums I've heard this year. How do you guys feel about it? Are you excited about it as well? Thanks very much. That's very nice. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're excited. We've been working on it for ages. Like yeah, some of the songs are years old. Yeah, we've been playing them for a while. It's good now to have them out. There's some songs that we haven't played live ever then. Yeah. So that that'd be good too. So when did you kind of start recording it? Oh, like twenty twenty. I'd say. I think the end of twenty twenty. Yeah. End of twenty twenty, and then. It was, we were recording it in the room next door because we're in Skid Music now, but we recorded it all in there with uh, our friend and good man, Chris, for hockey. It was really good. Uh, our partner in crime. Our partner in crime, yeah. But he, um, yeah. we recorded it there at, in like October of um, 2020 and then took a break for Christmas. And then after Christmas of, say, start of 2021, there was, another lockdown so we couldn't record anything for ages but it was actually good gave us like time to like change up the album kind of in our heads so what would have started as kind of another god loan thing that would have been closer to the post metal stuff we were doing got time to just listen to like loads of more music in our houses and make it a bit different like same songs but just approach it from a different way so then we got back into it in march and worked on it for ages yeah i think we finished it like november 2021 or something yeah it was like a full year or a full year yeah, yeah but there was a big break in the middle so it was a good few months anyway it took us a while but we're very happy uh I, I don't know do people like listening to people talking about you know the covid lockdowns and stuff it seems like all, all of the people that i've chatted to lately especially who are kind of putting out albums it seems like they did they did work during the lockdowns i mean like yeah. how did you guys find it if you want to talk about it if you want to take yourselves back to those heady days of 2020 uh we like we didn't see each other for like ages but we were like sending tunes to each other like through gmail like drive and stuff to write a lot of the album um we also brought out like an ambient minecraft ep that we recorded like in our house and just sent each other our bits yeah um which was nice um uh, yeah i know like, i think we changed sounds a lot and just like listen to a rake more tunes than we would have done um over lockdown and uh we were like on zoom with each other watching wrestling the whole time as well so yeah. that was nice so like i think lockdown apart from it being really um shit and bad and um, in most ways it was kind of good for us well it wasn't it was it kind of wrecked like torture wrecked all our gigs and stuff but like because we've been a band now for so long and since we were so young and like we're all best buds in the band. So we would have seen each other nearly every day before that and been practicing and doing loads of gigs since we were about 15. So it was the first time that we had to like spend time away from each other, which is, yeah, it, it was a bit sad, but like it gave us time to just, you know, just be your own person for a bit where we weren't doing gigs. We got to write like loads of other stuff and got out of like the kind of, Oh, we're like this sort of band. This is the sort of music we make. Ah, oh, we're not really. We were never really like that. But it was kind of going into a hole for a little bit, mm. and then the time that we just got to spend in our house, like locked up, like it gave me a new sort of appreciation for doing gigs and stuff. Anyway, and it also gave me like kind of a, I don't know, a boost to write more stuff. 
So it was good. Yeah. Was it good. We all got COVID at different stages as well. We did all get COVID at different stages. Yeah. So it was great. Well, we, we've made it through to the other side, guys. Yeah, you, yeah. you made it. <laughs> um, when you're kind of having those conversations about the band and about what you're listening to, or maybe talking about what you want to do going forward, like, does it get very existential? Like, are you thinking like, oh, we're no longer, we don't want to be like a metal band anymore. We want to be something else. Like, how, how deep are you getting kind of talking about like the sounds that you want to make? Not deep at all. Um, it's <laughs> uh, very like... Um, Stuff we listen to is kind of starts always as a joke. Like it's say, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we put this thing into this like really heavy song or if we put this really heavy bit into this like really dancey song or something. It's all just like, oh, this would be funny. And then it ends up like working for us and we think yeah. that it's like really good. So um, like there is a certain amount of like, you know, existential like thought of, oh, we don't really want to do this, but like we're not going to, stop doing certain things it's just like don't want to we don't want to dig ourselves into any holes musically because we kind of go between genres all the time so i'd like to be like putting my my feet into all the different you know sorts of music i can rather than like where this sort of band so like fans of this sort of music will, will listen to us i just kind of like i don't think we've ever said no to a section like yeah 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 imagine like donk or like gent or whatever or like abby gas we put this in and then we'd always do yeah yeah you know always get some. we haven't done funk yet though we've done loads of funk have we we, oh, yeah, we definitely have something yeah <laughs> <laughs> next album uh, <laughs> ja- is there jazz there as well is have you done jazz we have done jazz yeah yeah, I think yeah. We have, yeah. jack is mad into jazz our drummer he's really good so is sean that's all sean yeah, is sean. Our early yeah. there, sean he's in he's in like the the edinburgh big band because he's in, he lives in Edinburgh now, so that's cool. The Edinburgh University big man, not yeah. the big band of Edinburgh. But yeah, uh, jazz. Yeah, we done a bit of jazz. on that like a uh, weird ambient EP. There was like I play I played sax on it. I can't play sax, but you know I can play it well <laughs> enough for that. Um, yeah, play well enough to make other people think you can play sax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you own a sax. I own a sax. Have you stuck with the sax? Is is it a, a thing you want to get better at? No. No, no. I, I can I can play it well enough for the sounds I want to make, which is like really disgusting stuff. I think and sax is like the only instrument where like the worse you are, the better it sounds. Yeah. Like if yeah. you see a fellow who's good at sax and you're like, uh, like who cares? Like you see a fellow that makes it sound like a dying fucking donkey or something. You're like, yeah. that's unreal. Yeah. Ken Moore do that very well, that band. Yeah. They have some disgusting sounding sax up. Brilliant. <laughs> wow, the sax players are gonna come for you guys. What are they going? What are they going to do to me? Really? Like? Come at me, I'll fucking spark them out. Yeah, yeah, saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before we get deeper into the album, um, tell me about recording it. It was done at the MTU recording studio. Is that where yeah. you are now? Is that separate yeah, to the yeah. School of Music? Yeah, yeah. the Car School of Music. So the there's like a recording suite area. There's a full recording studio next door to where we are now. We're in like the edit room part of the building, which is just. Like, the box. I, I get well people to people at home can't see well it's just like it's just for mixing but uh next door is a full studio a very well equipped studio yeah. that we can use you know very luckily for free because we're students there but yeah it was all recorded in there by our friend and also producer man um chris hockey who's a student here as well and uh yeah he's very good he's a good man he is a good, very good good man, good man. and it was cool that we had like a lot of a lot of time to work on it because 
apart from like just really like laying into the production like we got much better at producing stuff as well because we had time to really think about the ideas and it was like Chris was doing it but we were also like involved with mixing it as well so it was cool that we had that much involvement with the the making of the album like even though you know it is our album <laughs> and and did you when you were like talking about it thinking about making the new music back in 2021 um or in 2020 2021 uh was it an album that you wanted to make i know that like it's four year four years since the first album put out an ep in the middle of that as well and put out a remixes album as well where you're like okay it's time to talk about album number two like how clear in your thinking were you about that um I think we just wrote too many songs. Yeah, like too many, many songs. For EP. I'm a big fan of EPs. Like I listen to more EPs than albums because, like, they're nice and short. But um, watch my call. Yeah, we just had like, we just had six songs that were too long to put in an EP. We're like, ah, go on, we might as well do an album. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, some of the songs on there are like really old. Like the like the song "Kung Fu Treachery" on it. We've been gigging that since like I was doing my leaving cert. Like we've been doing that since. 2018, 2019. That's when we wrote that originally. And we wrote a few of the other ideas for it like ages ago. And then it was just coming back to them and extending them for this. Is that all it is? Is it just kind of like coming back to the idea? Does does the song still work? Does it need something else? Like what else are you doing to an old song like that? We changed a fair bit of actually. Like we just were big fans of putting it in stops and changing stuff live. Um, so like we just added we added like way more guitars in it as well there's like a hundred layers of guitars or something that we just can't play live because we only have two hands each yeah yeah for the album like it was like we had the song made and then when we were coming back to it we were like right well this bit is good but so let's make it longer let's make this bit shorter it's kind of like a lot of our songs because there's lots of sections and stuff it's all like we'll write a song and then we'll mess with it loads so it's weird and then probably get a bit bored of it then we'll eventually go oh yeah we'll come back to that and then it's kind of like remixing step like our parts again into something else so that's kind of the way we'd be writing stuff so like the first attempt is that almost like the straightforward metal bits of the album and then you're like no we don't want that we want something else yeah i mean it used to be definitely it used to be like all right here's a here's a riff Let's uh let's riff it up and then change bits and put in a disco section. Now it's like just writing a few different ideas. Like it could be all the dancey parts, it could be like heavier bits, and then going, how are we gonna mash these together and build up a, a full track like? And do you consider yourself like what do you what would you call yourselves? I mean, like is a metal band too reductive now? Is that what you wanted to be starting out? Um, we were definitely a metal band at the start. Like we just ripped off all their legs loads. They're, great. <laughs> yeah. They're my favorite band ever still. Um, but like yeah, it was just like blast beats and like breakdowns and stuff. So we were like cool. And uh yeah, no, I I I don't think we have a genre now. I think we're just class to be honest. <laughs> I, just... I just like the yeah. stuff. Yeah, I suppose like it's it's between a few like it there's there's a big math rock influence on yeah, the new yeah. stuff. There's also a big like dance punk um influence and there is bits of metal, but I couldn't really pinpoint any specific metal. Probably like Converge, yeah, just because they do everything. Yeah, and yeah. I because I really like them. But like it's yeah, there's there's not as much like heavy 
direct influences it's just stuff that we've listened to before that we're like oh we know that this will kind of that this could work so yeah it's more like the, the new stuff we're listening to that's like direct influences so i'd say i don't know what genre they are whatever people want to yeah. see to be honest i'm yeah. happy to settle out like yeah yeah <laughs> fucking sick of bands saying like oh, we like we like changed our music because we wanted to it's like no just admit you saw that yeah. we're selling it like, yeah. it's class <laughs> fucking richer now than everyone's like <laughs> um, Fole seems to be a big influence you've been kind of happy to say that uh, all along the way like is that something that was there at the start or just something that you picked up along the way no I think Jake found the album in like 2018 or something like An- Antidotes yeah. yeah yeah they have other albums as well but they're just not as good um, but like oh but they're different yeah yeah but yeah, Antidote. Antidotes is probably my favorite album. And every time I go back to it, I'm like, Jesus, there's no there's no one like doing stuff like this anymore, really. Like I suppose when it, when it came out, there was like loads of bands going, ah oh, yeah, yeah, we'll just do this, but you don't hear much about them anymore. So I think enough time has passed where the ideas should come back. It's it's like, ours now. Yeah, yeah. Like I I don't know, I love Antidote, I think it's fantastic. Um, that'd be definitely the most prominent kind of influence on this album there's other stuff but that's definitely the like one straight thing that's going through it do you like the new falls album i haven't listened to it i i I don't think i've listened to anything past like what's the one that mentioned at the gates as well that's right yeah yeah, the one with the, what went down. What went down, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was good. Like, it was um, it was nice and dancey, which I like. That's, like, the thing I liked most about Falls. Um, I thought it was nice and dancey, but I still prefer, like, the older stuff. And even, like, the the B-sides to Antidotes are probably my favourite things, like Hummer and stuff. I kind of wish that they'd, like, go a bit more mad like they used to, but... Um, Sure, we're we're ones to talk about changing our sound, you know, every second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember when Antidotes came out and like Mathletics wasn't on it. Like, I think it's one of the best songs I've ever done, and it's not on it. I think I went off them for a while just because they didn't put it on the album. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, if I listen to Antidotes now, I kind of there's like the deluxe version is on Spotify, and I just start at like Tran, and like because I've listened to the the actual album so much. That Tron some banger. Tron is a banger, but like you know, like Darth and stuff, they're all unbelievable old, tunes. Old, old, old. Um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't put that on. I'll get on. Uh, I saw Talking Heads was also listed as an influence. Like, how how does that come through on the album? Um, I think Tina Weymouth is my favorite bass player. It's like I'm just trying to rip her off my bass lines the whole time. Like she's unreal at like playing when she needs to play and not playing when she doesn't need to. Like using the bass as like like a textured like foundational thing rather than like doing loads of mad shit so like, i think it's class like it's like our guitars are doing enough for like i just want to be just like the foundation or whatever um but like their music in general is class like the reputation is beautiful and, like all the different vocal layers and like especially remain in light that's probably like i don't know i like getting really locked and telling everyone it's the best album of all time I do it every single time i have a few points because it is um but yeah, no, like just like constant repetition, like tiny little bits that come together to make something massive. And like if you pick apart all the bits, they're just playing like one or two notes. Yeah. But then together, it's like a whole like mesh of just class. Like I think Foles, like yeah, it is. Yeah. Like bit, it's yeah. all like this, like Steve Reich stuff. It's like Steve Reich, like but like party music, yeah, which yeah. is kind of 
I'd like that for it to be. I'd like that to be us. Yeah, you know, Steve Party and Steve Reich with like, <laughs> bits of heavy, but but yeah, like foundation yeah, re- rats, rock, remain and light is fantastic. Like we do, there is a good bit of like kind of Afro beatty stuff sometimes on the album because I love that. But Trust it's you. like I wouldn't have gotten into like Fela Kuti and stuff if I hadn't listened to Talking Heads because they're kind of a nice introduction to it and then they're adding like loads of different ideas into that kind of genre as well so yeah I, I love talking heads and, and so like kind of bringing it back to you can you pinpoint a moment where you kind of did that for the first time on a song like was it through the ep like mad thing is maybe the song that i would pinpoint where you kind of started to change a little bit more yeah. into kind of doing the the whole kind of not f- doing the whole the folds thing but kind of mm. doing something a little bit uh different yeah my thing is probably definitely like when it, the the ep is not it has a kind of like a few years ago god loaned the first two songs and then the last two songs are kind of god loaned to come and the mad thing yeah we were mad into like bats as well oh um, for for mad thing because I, like there's a lot of like kind of grooves they do that we kind of just were playing around with and then just changed up to be our own thing but yeah Underrated. yeah i'd say on the ep mad thing and yes i which we haven't played in ages but yes i is like a big talking heads um like kind of influenced song because it has um there's like a whole afro beauty bit in it and it's all like little bits that are intertwining um because the two guitar parts only have like two or three notes and then they're the way they're linked is nice um yeah and the new stuff now like tin find the walls that we just released that there's like that has that kind of minimal guitar stuff and some of the lyrics are like talking heads inspired as well one of the lyrics is like stop making sense just it, it fit the like the, the phrasing and uh it kind of works with the like the, the theme in the album and stuff so very good. Um, will will we just talk a little bit about maybe the start of God Alone? Like, did you guys all just we did you all just go to school together and just hung out? All had the same taste in music. How did you guys meet? Yeah, um, me and Jake did Taekwondo together when we were like five. Yeah. Oh uh, wow! This like... is I talked to somebody else, uh, another musician, Claire Sands, who talked about um like winning world medals in uh karate. So this is like the second martial arts reference in a couple of weeks. This is great. We definitely yeah. weren't that good at it anyway. Now we were fairly bad. I was savage at it anyway. I, <laughs> I, I fucking hated going. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I'm Jay Club Van Dam. That's me. Then um, like we live up the road from each other, like ten minute walk, and then um, we went to like the academy of popular music in the car, which is also here. It's here, just like the yeah. children's version of the the degree thing. So we did grades here. That's um, where we met Dylan and Sean. Yeah, um, and we talked there were nerds. They are and I was a massive nerd. I I used to be in like a, a, a really rocking classic rock band with Jack as well. I just just met him. Um but yeah, it's all just like the same days and tunes. We didn't go to school together. I didn't like, you know, have I just, I didn't really mind anything about school, but after like, you know, on the weekend and stuff, like we'd be hanging around all the time. So just talking about tunes. So it came from that, just being friends and listening to the same music, which is the the way it still is really though. We weren't really friends with Sean. We kind of still aren't because he's weird. <laughs> but like we, we just—he was the only fella. But the other, he was the only other fella we knew that played guitar and listened to Ultra Plagues. So we were like, "Do you want to be in the band?" He was yeah, like, "Yeah, I have to put up with him." Yeah, now we just <laughs> put up with him now. No, I love him, Sean. Right, he's great, man. He's actually <laughs> close, man. 
Uh, are you guys all still based in Cork? You know, the drummer is living in Edinburgh. Now? No, it's, oh, it's Sean, the guitar player. That's living. Yeah, he's oh, sorry, sorry. keeps coming up, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, he he lives in Edinburgh. He moved to Edinburgh um, after sixth year because he's doing mechanical engineering there. But he comes back, like he comes back over the summer and he comes over Christmas. We try and write as much stuff as possible. Um, he'll be coming over for like few the Irish tour dates we have uh, at the start of November as well. So. I was in his house the other day. I was like on break of a tour that I was doing with another band. It was yeah. just annoying him, drinking tenants in his couch. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, no, he's great. Yeah, but all the rest of us are still based in Cork. Like we do a lot of different stuff in Cork as well. I love Cork. How is uh, Cork doing at the moment? I haven't, I haven't been down um, in a while. Like, does it still feel, I don't know, people are always kind of talking about lack of venues and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. It doesn't change, no? Like, no. it is the center of the universe, in fairness. It is actually, <laughs> like, the best place on the planet. Like, not even as a joke, I actually love this guy. But, yeah, there's, like, there's just not that many venues to the problem. Like, there's a ton of class bands. Like, the scene is nice. And, like, electronic music scene, the metal scene, hardcore scene is all legal. Uh, we're in about 10 bands each as well, which is nice. But, yeah, there's just more venues, you know. But Yeah, it, okay. it definitely has, like, you know, and not just because I'm from Cork. Like, I think throughout all the time that we've been involved with the Cork music scene, I think Cork has one of the, the strongest scenes in Ireland. Apart from Dublin, I think Dublin and Cork's like scene are like nearly, you know, the about the same pair. Like there's a there's the same amount of bands in Cork, which is mad because of how small it is. Like there's just not the venues for it that that Dublin has. So it doesn't like thrive as much. You have to you have to go outside of Cork to be able to do stuff. There's there's Fred's which is really good to start in. They kind of put on anything, but you do grow out of it after a while. And then there's there's Cypress Avenue, but that's like the difference of capacity between Cypress and Fred's is like insane. There's no kind of mid-sized thing that you can progress mm. through. Um, there used to be a lot more, but they keep closing down and building so office office blocks, which is grand. But you know, I I don't work in an office, and I'd like I'd like another venue to play in, so just the lack of venues really like the the bands are there and the musicians are there do you want to shout out any of the other bands that you're that you're playing with at the moment the oh, other 10 dozens of bands i don't know how long it'll take shout out daz gak we're recording our ep there next door the boys are outside as well we waved at him a second ago yeah. <laughs> uh, watch mccall i play in red sun alert as well and i play in uh what else do i do i've raked a solo projects i'm never going to gig with and nobody's ever going to hear but they're real yeah, I know it does. And we do like DJ stuff as well, like under the name Vexed, ourselves and Jack or Drummer. And we're in a Happy Mondays covers band that I've never taken, <laughs> but may, might make an appearance sometime because they're class. <laughs> what else will we do? Well, I'm in different bands, yeah. Mm. Like I'm in a band with the drummer of God. Every band I'm in actually is with the drummer of Jack, um, which is good because, you know, I always have, always have them behind me, like not in that kind of way. Like, but uh, he, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in a band called Staff Party with him. And um, do good bits oh, of them. Okay. Oh, uh, stuff. You just put out a new single. We did. Yeah, we just put out a, a single. Yeah, Jamie was on the. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, yeah. I. I'm. I play guitar and. Uh, ah, very yeah, good. I'm putting it all together. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's all. <laughs> I, yeah, most of the things in Cork, it's there. There's some kind of you can trace it back to to God alone somewhere. Um, <laughs> I do some like session guitar stuff with a singer called Lloyd John as well. Um, he just put out an EP. Yeah, and it's mostly just people I'm in college with. There's another friend called Donna Lucy, who's like more singer songwritery, but he'll have an EP out as well. 
So I play in a banging covers band called Last Call as well. Yeah. <laughs> Me there now, Mr. Brightside. Like. We're busy enough uh, music ways, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we we could do a whole aside about Happy Mondays and Mr. Brightside and the covers band, but maybe we should just leave it and uh, people people can uh, find it in their own way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you want the floor and the covers band. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're class though. It's <laughs> for your wedding. We're actually we're actually so good. A flame, flame covers. Yeah, yeah best covers. <laughs> Better than the originals. <laughs> Um, so as I said earlier, four years since your first album, how how do you look back on that? Are you proud? Of, are you proud of the album, but kind of happy to kind of move on as well? Yeah, I like that album. In fairness, like it's, I think in twenty years people are going to call it our best album, which is going to annoy me a lot, like my dad. But I I think it was, I think it was good. You know, like I wouldn't go back and listen to it, but like. <laughs> Like pe- people still like the songs off it, which is weird to me. Yeah, it was it was fair play to us. We were like seventeen. No, so it's like it could it could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. I I think I think it was good. Like I'm not mad for listening to stuff like that we've made after we've done it because we keep moving on really quickly. To I love listening to my like Spotify rap was like all our EP. Yeah, but um, I think yeah, it's it's good. Like um, that like genre is kind of. It had its like big time, um, the like post black metal stuff and black gay stuff. Cause even the bands that were doing it really like, you know, like Def Heaven and stuff, they're not they doing it change. anymore. They're they've they've changed. It is definitely 2016 to 2019 was it was got very big. Mm. So they were on like the cover of Kerrang and everything, which is mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Def Heaven class. Def Heaven our class. But you know, they all all that kind of stuff, it's not as not as big anymore. So uh yeah, it just kind of faded out from our taste of music. So, yeah, but I do like the sounds. I think they're good. Yeah, kind of a big idea behind the album, kind of a concept album about mental health dedicated to the victims of Our Lady's Hospital. That's the first album. Is there a similar theme idea behind the new album? No, it's diff- very different concept. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that that has like a like the, the first album definitely has like a more proper team um to it introspective lyrics and all that yeah and you know it has actual you know well put together lyrics there's the new stuff like i think there's a lot it's a lot more complicated like uh, musically like there's a lot more kind of bits going on so there's not as much like so like how it's it's what they weren't really song songs either that you'd sing in at a campfire but they're like um there is a a, like a, a clear structure and it's a bit different now where it's like oh i i kind of like writing the lyrics like as if i was like it was like a a chant or something where it doesn't really mean anything the whole concept of this album in a way is it's just about nothing it's like seinfeld the album like um so it's about about nothing but it like it just works it it just like kind of it like the the chanted stuff just works you don't need to think about it you can if you want and get into a big kind of paradox hole but you can like it's just you can listen to it and have a have a fun time i'm not as like angsty anymore that i'm not in secondary school so i don't have that much many things to be angry about and i just kind of want to have i want to have fun (laughs) and we kind of talked about it earlier this kind of like how you put a track together with all of these different moving parts is it simply just a case of how do we fit in this dancey bit? This is a bit mad. Let's try and get this into a song. Like, are you, are you trying to almost pull the track apart and fit in loads of stuff? Does it still 
like does the song still have to make sense or is the point of it that sometimes it doesn't make sense oh no it never it never makes sense like it, if you if you sh just play something and if you have a guitar like or something people think people think you have like power so you could just play whatever and it'll be grand but like it's not that we're like oh we need to make this bit fit because i think that a lot of bands i've heard do that where they'd be like a metal band and we should put a disco bit in and they just write something that doesn't really work. Whereas like if we're playing something, I'm just going to say the exact, but like when, when we're writing stuff, we might just naturally fall into a different groove that would be slightly dancey and then go, oh, we should really like lay into that more and just keep it growing. And then when we get bored of that, we'll, we'll keep moving. That's why the songs end up being as long as they are. Cause we're like, ah, what if we did this next? Um, but it's kind of like a natural progression of of ideas rather than mm. just trying to force things in together. Right? I think there's always one small idea at the heart of every song. There'll be one like riff. Yeah, like yeah. Maybe three notes. And you just keep developing that, going through different genres. Be like, hi, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we like added an extra note and made a gent here? Or like, let's take one away and do a bit of techno or something. Like there's always, like especially in Tim Fall in the Walls, there's one riff. And it's 10 minutes long. Yeah. And it just, we keep adding stuff, taking it away and like changing genres. There's always one riff, you know? Like, yeah. Like... Uh, th there was one part of Tin, I think it's in Tinfoil in the Walls, where it's just uh, the lyrics, I shut my eyes again. And you like really turn it up high. It's like almost like a mainstream kind of dance thing yeah. that's oh, going on. Like, up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you can just explain that bit to me like are you actually fans of i don't know that that kind of mainstream kind of stuff yeah oh, i love that that's mostly what i li like listen to apart from like weirder dancey stuff but uh, i love pop music like you know i i'd like if we were just like a you know a pop band but we're kind of too assholey to make just like pop music so they need to kind of make it like oh, wouldn't it be cool if i did this <laughs> um but yeah i love i sure i yeah i love the the off tuny pop it's kind of gone out as well that but come back. It, yeah it'll it'll come back like and sure and shit yeah it, it reached its peak there a few years ago with all the soundcloud rap and stuff and that's big on the the last ep the self-titled one um in like kata we have uh, a whole auto tuny bit and it was nice to go oh we should put that into one of the new things as well because why not? And Autotune's class. Yeah, it works. It's catchy. Like, it's, you know, like, it's a laugh. We can't sing anyway. So, like, yeah, it also works because we can't sing in a house. Like, T Pain is like an unreal singer without Autotune. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> Tinfoil in the Walls. What do, what does the title actually mean? I was trying to think about what it's, what that actually means. It's about when Jack was in school and there's no reception in his school to like text people. Like, in second place, he was like, oh, they put Tinfoil in the Walls, block the signal. They can't text people. We just thought that was funny. He <laughs> just said it one time we were walking down the road. We were like, that's gas. That should be a song title. I, I hope that's as far as his conspiracy theories go, that he doesn't have any any big uh, conspiracy theories about, I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. it wasn't you, even in conspiracy. If you, if you met him, you wouldn't, you'd know it wasn't a conspiracy theory. Like, you know, it, it, he, uh, he gets away with it. Like, yeah, it, it, it worked with the, the lyric because the lyrics were written way after the song. Like, they were just like, oh, we need to throw some bits in. We just like looked up different like syllable yeah like, like phrases random words and then just kept putting them in until until they fit up and um like if you kind of just do anything and put a different title on it it'll fit your brain just tricks yourself into like making out a story to it like if you read the lyrics to in final it sounds like there's a clear story 
but there isn't. It's okay. just it's just all it's all made up. We made this one up. Total fiction. fiction. <laughs> the title track as well kind of changes halfway through. It's got a kind of like a woman's voice coming through. What what's that? Is that like a friend just singing? That's, or is uh, it... that's my girlfriend that just walked in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted to make a guest appearance on the, the podcast. No, yeah, she did that after I uh, told her she was doing it. Um, we, yeah, she's very good at doing all the kind of housey vocals. She's a serious singer. We're not serious singers. I would have done it myself if I could sing and was a woman, but unfortunately, I'm not. Um, is, she, is she in a band as well? Is she in? Yeah, she's in staff party. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she plays keys in staff party. She plays keys in another band called uh, Garen, who are from Cork as well, and they're very good. Yeah, they're they're really good. They're only starting out, but yeah, they're a great bunch of lads. And what about the tracks that? Um, I wouldn't have heard this will be coming out after the album has been released. So you have uh, Kung Fu Treachery. Ooh, how do I pronounce this? 15 BM 1989. Oh, yeah. First, I, I just want to explain that one because it's funny. It's you ever watch the Inbetweeners? Yeah. Uh, do you know when Jay goes in, he tries to buy pints for the lads in like the second or third episode? And like, it's in the first, episode. In the first episode, sorry. And he's like, gives your man his like Australian driving license and his name is Brett Clement. That's my DJ name as well. <laughs> um, but his birthday in it is the 15th of bloody May, 1989. It is, yeah. It's kind of like John Carpentry, and then there's a big, like, kind of Meshuggah breakdown in it as well. So it's very different. But it's um, probably the metaliest song, I'd say. Oh, it's definitely the metaliest song. And um, Peony is also pretty heavy. Peony is has kind of like a psychedelic rock kind of thing, and then it goes into some of like the stuff we would have been doing a few years ago. Big like, noise section. Yeah, big noisy stuff, kind of math quarry. Um, sorry, like, who would it be like now? Um, it's a bit like uh, Converge or uh, Elenkis, oh, who yeah. are a great band. Great. Only after recently, but yeah, it's kind of very influenced by them, I suppose. You're releasing it on Prosthetic Records. Is this the first kind of proper label that you've been involved with? Yeah, yeah. yeah like I think we self-released the the first bits, and then the EP came out through Cosmonaut, uh, lovely fella. Um, but yeah, no, we just we sent the the album to a rake of labels, and like a few got back and were like, no, that's shit, and then like. Yeah, no, Prosthetic are the nicest people ever. They're so sound to us, like, and they're like, you can do whatever you want. And we're like, sound. <laughs> and they're really nice people as well. They're so sound. With an album like this, where you're releasing it on a proper label, do you have different ambitions? Is that something that you yeah. talk about with it? Like, what do you want to do with the album? Like, I just want to see the world, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it was definitely like, when we were making it, we were like, right, this is, all the other stuff did kind of, well enough like especially the thing we made through cosmonaut but like we were like oh well it's definitely time to take it a lot more serious now so we're like let's get on a serious label and try to get a booking agent because i'd like to start doing bigger festivals and everything so you're like yeah let's really push this one and try make it the best that we can make so yeah there's like just bigger ambitions rather than just like having a laugh and playing around which is the ambition all the time but it's kind of more like we're big boys now yeah corporate laughter like we want to have a bit more laugh with the with the big swinging dicks like something like that (laughs) (laughs) 
uh and finally do you want to talk about the show that you're putting on in cypress avenue in oh i don't know when when that will be in relation oh, to this in a couple of weeks we'll say <laughs> uh, in november i think that'll probably be our biggest show that we've played like ourselves in yeah. ireland uh that'll be really nice we've actual acid and 10 past seven support and they're class all of them uh like 10 past seven are massive influence on us as well especially the guitars and they're yeah. really sound as well just uh, like that they agreed but yeah, it'll be it'll be a big show because th- we're doing a tour the week before as well in uh, Belfast, Dublin, Galway, and Limerick, um, and then we have a break, and then the one that we'll be doing in Cyprus is like a much longer set, and uh, we have uh, an extended LCD sound system ripoff kind of lineup, uh, like uh, Alexa, who's just in there. Jesus, she keeps coming. Up. She'll be doing um, like a- extra synth part and backing vocals that bit in ETC, and then Chris who recorded it he'll be doing like extra precaution as well so we have like an extended lineup and everything we'll probably do like a our set will be like nearly over an hour of just loads of different stuff we played so. we could have found on sax as well Maybe oh yeah if we could find some guy on sax yeah <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we plan on making it like quite big we haven't really played like a gig in cork in a good few months yeah. which is weird because we used to do one nearly every week but we were trying to ease off cool well Listen, congrats on the album. As I say, I think it's, well, the tracks that I've heard to date anyway are uh, yeah. really, really good. That's all I needed, you know? That's all I needed to to make yeah. me think it's one of the most exciting albums. So congrats on the album and cheers for the chats. Thanks no, so much. Well, for well, awesome. chat. Have a glass one. Thank you. from God Alone off their second album ETC out now on Prosthetic Records you can get it at godalone.bangcamp.com and go check them out live on their Irish tour at the start of November now something a little bit different to God Alone and the metal Brigine is Breed McGowan a harp player and singer-songwriter and embammer more in a moment from West Sligo who has just released her self-titled debut album it features collaborations from Merley, Sharon Shannon and Stephen Ray, as well as the fiddle skills of Claire Sands on half of the tracks. Bijin says that the album is, quote, my favourite work to date, 
I am so proud of every song and piece on this album and what they mean to me. Along with my amazing band, we have captured my mindset in this moment. From start to finish, I believe my album takes you on a journey of grief, pain and anxiety to a place of great peace and acceptance. Brigine is also part of the family business in Sligo. She's a funeral director and embalmer, and it's fascinating to hear her talk about that. We only chat about it for a few minutes at the start, but I could have gone for a lot longer. What an interesting job. Another thing that you should know before the interview is that the artwork for the album is stunning. So make sure you Look it up as you're listening, before you're listening, whatever you do, just just make sure you check it out. It was shot by Steve Rogers and features Brigine wearing a flowing crown of flowers while gripping her harp. Just a really stunning, amazing piece of work, something that you could just stare at. So we talk about the amount of work that went into it, the, <laughs> the blood that was spilled putting this crown of flowers on her head. There were a couple of technical issues with Zoom. Ugh, the bane of my life. But hopefully you shouldn't notice them. Hopefully I've done a good enough job of putting the interview together that it'll be seamless. It'll sound seamless. Let's take a listen to Running featuring Merley and then we'll get into the chat with Brigine. I'm running away. I'm running away. I'm leaving my pain. It's too much to take. Tell me about being a funeral director and an embalmer. What an interesting job. It's definitely interesting. I work with my dad and my sister. So we get to work with loads of families, loads of different people and look after their loved one. And it's really nice and rewarding as well. It's um, it's a really tough job emotionally and physically. Um, but it's a very I feel like it's a very nice thing to do for somebody and it's yeah I feel like my job is meaningful so so your dad was in the business first and you kind of got involved then was it yeah so my dad he there's actually a a documentary on him called funeral director and it was on RTE in 2019 it's still on the player and it's just gone on Netflix UK so I have a little cameo on that as well. <laughs> but um he he basically got on that because he's like 
one of the best in Ireland and he trained in Chicago because he was his father accidentally bought a funeral business in Eastgate in County Sligo. <laughs> How do you accidentally buy uh buy that? Because he bought this building that was like a pub and a butcher's and a shop. And then when they went downstairs to the basement, there was a hearse in it. And he rang the auctioneer and he was like, why is there a hearse in the basement? And he was like, because you're the undertaker now. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> so they had to like, just be the undertakers. And then uh, my dad was, um, my dad was like really interested in the funeral side of things. He wanted to know more about how you can, prevent signs of death basically showing on people for the funeral for the purpose of the funeral because back then he said there was awful things happening like you know at funerals um there was a coffin nearly exploded you know and like it's it was just pretty awful there was people being waked outside because they weren't there was no embalming going on you see at the time he wanted to do better so he went and he trained with Val O'Connor in Cork who would have been a pioneer of the funeral industry in Ireland and he trained in America. So dad said, you know, he, he'd go over and train in Chicago. So he trained in Chicago and he was there for a long time and he came back and built one of the first purpose built funeral homes in Ireland. And that was my home until I was seven. <laughs> and then we moved into a normal house. <laughs> so, <laughs> I suppose I've always been in it. It's, uh, you know, polishing coffins for pocket money. Like me and my sister, we used to, we used to actually, you know, like if you give a kid a box and they make like go-karts and stuff out of them or whatever. Mom said that me and my sister got to the point where we were like playing funeral with a cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> and like take turns in being the priest. <laughs> so I suppose full time, I'm nearly four years, but I've always been involved in funerals right and so did you have to do any training as well did you have to do a course on embalming or anything like that or is it just simply learning from your dad so basically in ireland it's an unregulated industry funny enough so you don't need any qualifications however my dad does have um he's been training people for years he's a a school of mortuary science and funeral directing so last year at the start of last year I suppose two years ago now. Um, myself and my sister, we did the uh, we did the course, and it's a, like a lot of anatomy, physiology, chemistry, <laughs> history, and now I'm down to I, I got a distinction actually in my in my theories, my my anatomy and physiology, and I also recorded an album that year <laughs> as well. So. It's been pretty crazy, but um, I just have my practical to do. My sister is her practical done. She got flying colours, so she's totally qualified and I'm almost there. So, um, yeah. <laughs> great, great. I, I, we could keep talking about funerals and death and everything that's involved, but maybe we'll focus on the music. Congrats on the debut album. How does it feel to have made a debut album? It's so surreal. Like, I've been working on it for so long like the last two years, I suppose, since right since writing the songs and stuff. And to actually be at this point where it's on Spotify and it's like in a CD. <laughs> it's um it's pretty cool. Like I was I have to say I was like 
pretty terrified on Thursday when it came out. And that's the only time I've been nervous. I've been excited up until the day of release. And then I just was like, it was like an emotional roller coaster. I was like, what have I done? <laughs> it felt like I just told everyone my secrets. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm I'm incredibly proud of it. Uh, yeah. And and everyone on it as well. It's like, a, like anyone who's playing on the album with me and the featured artists and things, like they're all like friends that I have made through music. And it's just such a lovely, I don't know, I'd lo- I'd like I'd love to be in a room full of them people all the time playing music. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's the happy so place, uh, just, make, just yeah, making music. Yeah, good vibes, good vibes. <laughs> no divas. So uh, that was good. But um, I'm super proud of it. And I'm just, yeah, grateful for people supporting it. We'll talk about the special guests uh, the, um, who are named on the album, but who else is involved in the music making process who, who's on the album? I'm putting you on the spot now. So there is, okay, let me see. There is, first of all, um, Brian Dillon. He recorded it in, in my mom's studio and um, he produced it as well. He put it all together. He also played piano and synth on it as well. And I, he, I couldn't have asked for better help like he was just brilliant and what he's added to the album as well creatively is just class like you know like with his with his keys and things like that there's one track seasons change and it's such a it's such a real chill snoozy tune and he just put the keys on it and it was like whoa I never saw that coming and it was just the loveliest um surprise but anyway to continue, there is Claire Sands on half the fiddle tracks, <laughs> and then Sarah O'Gorman is on the other half of the fiddle tracks. Um, I pick; they're both my friends. I play with both of them. They're very, they're completely different styles, and you'd know from listening to them which one is Sarah and which one is Claire. You know, so I just thought it was really cool to have two different fiddle players on it I thought that was nice because I, I found from playing with them as well you know I love playing with different musicians all the time because you just hear different sides to your tracks I suppose then there is Jack Selby Smith on bass O'Brien did some bass as well actually and then there's Paul Leonard on drums there's Anya Lynch was on cello for Empty Room and then there is who am I forgetting? Oh dear. Jake Curran on electric guitar. <laughs> I feel like I'm testing you. I feel like I'm testing you. <laughs> I think that's everyone. <laughs> and then the collaborators then uh, would have been Stephen Ray or the featured artist, St- Stephen Ray, Sharon Shannon and Merle as well. Okay. That, that, that all, I think you've ticked all the boxes. I think you got everybody. I think. <laughs> Tell me about the amazing artwork, because that's one of the most striking things about it. I remember seeing the press images like a couple of months ago, uh, I think. But like, how long did it take you to 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 sit there and have this crown of flowers put on your head? (laughs) I'm so glad you like it um, because I I love it as well. It's like uh, I've been calling it like it's my my trad Cleopatra. Like (laughs) (laughs) I am. I just I suppose it came from I wanted to. I had two big ideas for the cover and one of them was was this one. I wanted to be like 
I was like, I wanted like a throne or a, something of flowers. I wanted to be kind of like coming out of me. Like I'm, cause we're all, I feel like we're all rooted in nature and, you know, even just the harp as well. I just had that image in my head. I went to the florist cause I'm a funeral director and I went to the florist and I was like, I have a crazy idea. Would you uh, <laughs> help me do this? And she was like, oh my God, what are you doing? So she sent me down to the NCF and I got some chicken wire and I came back up and she's here like pinning me in with chicken wire. And she's like, don't move me. I cut you off. And uh, yeah, we were just in the middle of the flowers in Sligo and she's here pinning me in, making like this coat thing. Yeah, we actually, we shot it in um, Steve Rogers studio just outside Dremore West and um, she came down with the, the flower piece. Like I couldn't move like, and we got loads of different kinds of photos and I had originally wanted to be outdoors, but we said we'd take it indoors before everything gets messy, you know, with the wind and stuff. We took a few photos and it was quite limited because I couldn't move much, but we were just finished and I just said, can we just try one more? And that was the one that we used. It was just, yeah, Steve Steve said to me the other day, he was like, I remember saying to you, just give me nothing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm so happy with that cover, yeah. And then um, Noel Feeney did the graphic design as well with the Brie Jean behind my head as well, which was really cool, I thought. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really striking image. Let's talk about your journey. You're the fourth generation of your family playing traditional Irish music is it like when did you start did you start like as as soon as you're able to pick up a flute I'm guessing yeah um pretty much I started mum says I started playing uh the tin whistle when I was four and we were doing piano and she reckons she was quite free in the way she like introduced us to music so it was very much kind of like you know there was musical instruments all over the house and it was very much kind of like, you know, pick up what you want, you know, and uh, we we're so lucky, so, so lucky to have that. Myself and my sister, um, she actually, she went for like the accordion, concertina. She went down that road. I went to whistle, flute. And then when I was like 14, I remember hearing uh, Leisha Kelly playing at a concert. And I just was like, I never really heard a harp in concert before. And I'm just like, I need that. I want that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I begged my mother and she's obviously very, um, she was a bit like, you know, are you sure now? Because that's a bit of a commitment, you know. <laughs> it's like, needs to fit in the car, needs to, you know. So she was like, okay, we better get you lessons for the harp because there's a lot of like, it's very technical. Um, you want to get your positioning right and all that. So Grania Hamley taught me then. Um, I went up to her like once a month or so and yeah I just like fell in love with it like and my granddad he's so he's so cute he's so supportive you know when I wanted to get a harp like he put money towards the harp and like my confirmation money and <laughs> all that stuff went in and my parents thank god because they're not cheap but um, yeah I'm just very fortunate to have grown up in a family that appreciate music and appreciate you know the the value of an instrument you know and like tell me about kind of the technical aspects of the harp like is it a very big heavy instrument like you can get different kind of sizes as well can't you like do you, does it take a while to find the right harp for you 
Well, there are three types of harps. And if you ask me, like, you're definitely drawn to one. It's not kind of like a one size fits all. Because like for me, so I play the, the, it's the, the Irish harp. Uh, it's like the medium size one, if you want to call it that. Then there is also the Celtic harp, which would have been, you know, like the Brian Brew, which would have been, it's wire strings and you play it with your fingernails. Whereas the harp I play, you can't have long nails. You have to play it on the paths of your fingers. So that strikes out that one. You know what I mean? You have to be one or the other. Then there's the 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 classical the orchestral harp. That's the one that's really tall. And for me, that's just too big. Like I'm such a small person that it would just not. I like I remember in, in Cork and ECC, they have one of them harps in the harps. They have like a harpsichord room. That's where I used to hide and hang out. I tried it out a couple of times and it was like just monstrous it's like I can't even reach the, the last note my hands are too small so uh, that was never going to work <laughs> but um, yeah mine is the 34 string um, Irish harp yeah you studied music at UCC as well was that just taking it to the next level like learning the technical aspects of music so when I did my leaving there so I okay just to like <laughs> be totally honest I hated school like so much and we didn't even have music as a subject so I had to do it outside school with thank god because I had um, a really really nice teacher and Caroline Jackson in Ballinan she was absolutely class and like just really yeah really refreshing you know Um, but I hated school and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life my mum was like oh you should be a teacher Um, (laughs) I was like oh my granddad was like do like and he was a principal for years of a secondary school and my mom's a teacher my uncle's a teacher and when I told him I was like oh I might do I might become a teacher or whatever and he was like oh so you've gone through school for all these years to go and then go back into school and it's when he put it like that it'd be different if I loved school but I hated school and I was like why why would I do that to myself which is a funny side angle I, I mean from from granted like I would have thought he would have been the one pushing this the sturdy steady job I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do and um I'd actually I was supposed to take the year out and do the embalming course with my dad I actually just decided I was like well I just want to know like mom was like what do you love and I was like I love music and I was like I just want to know more about music she was like let's study music so that's where I went to Cork because uh, it's funny, my granny, I never actually met my granny, Bridie Donoghue, but she always said to Grandad, like she would have been musical as well. She studied music in Trinity. She always said to Grandad, if any of their children were to study music, to go to Cork, because it has such a variety. I didn't know any of this. Grandad told me this after. But um, yeah, I, I went to Cork because I suppose it was... You know, there was Mel Mercier was there at the time and, you know, all I knew was trad, really. So going down to Cork and learning about pop, jazz, opera, uh, Latin American music, hip hop. It was African drumming. It was like the biggest eye opener ever. It was literally like sensory overload. Um, and then, of course, the people I met there as well. So I, I met Claire Sands in college. We were in the same year. 
yeah, we just had a we had a banging year, like we had a class <laughs> year full of people and just yeah, it was it was unbelievable. And there wasn't much um technical learning of the harp, but it was more the inspiration that I just like got, I suppose, from from all the different genres and kind of um opening up the boundaries, I suppose, and learning that there's no real rules because it's all subjective isn't it <laughs> so just do what you want really. <laughs> uh, just because you've mentioned her a few times Claire Sands and since I had her on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago around the release of her debut album uh, tell me about what you enjoy like making music with her uh, is, is it just like her uh, unflappable nature and like she's one of the most upbeat people that I've ever met and talked to like she I've, I, I don't think she has anything less than you know really 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 upbeat she's brilliant like she's absolutely cracked like she's brilliant (laughs) but she's she's always been like out of our whole year in college um like the year was full of like incredible musicians um she was always the one that would like not be coming out to the nightclubs because she'd be playing with some old fella in Cork (laughs) like (laughs) or like playing playing cards with with these old fellas (laughs) (laughs) but she was always the one that was she was grafting from the day I met her like you know she was she probably came out of the womb grafting like she was just such a hard worker and I couldn't be happier for her to see her succeed and to see you know to see her fan base grow and because she deserves every last bit of it like she's she's such a nice person and she's so talented it's crazy you know, and it's really cool to have a good friend like that in the industry because, you know, we were out at Milwaukee Irish Festival there in August and um, there was just such, like myself, herself and Mike Hanrahan were like the buds. We were like the best buds and it was just such a nice sense of like supporting each other and instead of this kind of against each other and seeing each other as competition, um so I, I I'm really lucky that I've met I've met a lot of people like that now like everyone on my album is like that very sound and not like holding top secrets and like you know everyone's like all my friends in music most of them anyway are you know we generally help each other and we support each other where we can like and um I just think that I'm really lucky to have that because it's not it can be a lonely industry if you're around the wrong people, you know. You mentioned the uh, guest vocalists who are, who are on the album. Uh, we might go through them one by one. Well, Sharon Shannon isn't a vocalist, I don't think. But um, let's start with Merle. He's on the track running. How did you um, uh, come in contact with him and, and what did you want from him on the track? So that started with Donald Scannell. He in, he's a television television producer and he's a good friend of mine and mentor. I could nearly call him. He introduced me to Merle and Denise Chyla and God knows and said that I would be a good addition to their part of the show. So myself, Denise, Chyla, Merle, God knows and Ruth as well was dancing on the Cliffs of Moher. And uh, we're just, yeah, belting out uh, Chyla <laughs> on the harp and the accordion. And uh, it was class it was unreal it came out really good but um 
through working I went down to practice with them to rehearse with them and they're just like the nicest crew ever like they are so welcoming so like they're not above anyone and they're just so straight and I just love that it's again what I was saying about like you know my friends in music like I'm so lucky to have such nice people around me and they're definitely some of them so I was um I was playing with them all summer but um I played another thing with them before anyway and I was down and I just said you know what I was doing this this track running and I wrote it after it kind of got me out of like a bit of a like a, a, a traumatic experience and almost kind of got me out of a panic attack um and then I wrote this music and the the hook or whatever of it and then I just was like do you know what Merle would be absolutely class on this like he I just felt like he could he would interpret it without me telling him exactly what was causing my pain you know because I I never like my stuff to be too literal I suppose yeah so he he had a listen and he he's just absolutely blew it out of the water like it was so good he just totally got my feeling without using my story if that makes sense but using his own interpretation of it just kind of that feeling of being in your head you know and pacing thoughts and things like that so I was really 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 happy that that he did that because he was the perfect fit for it like and again he's really nice so <laughs> that was another reason why. And Stephen Ray is on the Dawn Chorus. That's a, yeah. quite a, a nice thing to have on the album. Stephen Ray, acclaimed actor. I know. And again, Don O'Scannell, he's, I'm telling you, he's like my, my fairy godfather. He, um, <laughs> there was another show about Derek Mahan and Stephen would have been very good friends with Derek. And the whole show was you know, about his poetry and there was other musicians on and things like that. But I actually wrote music for the Dawn Chorus. So I was given a list of poems and I was like, oh, wow, this one's absolutely, this one just like stood out so much to me. Yeah, I wrote the music. I told Dawn and I was like, all right, so I've, I've written this and I sent him a recording and he was like, because I didn't realise, but he had only asked me to play something in response to a poem. So I did have to write something but I did um and I'm so glad I did so glad I misinterpreted that instruction <laughs> and um yeah Stephen was he was the like the host let's say of the show and yeah we just became good friends after that um he's just such a lovely lovely guy and um I asked him you know we'd uh we'd become friends then and then I asked him I was like would you because I felt like you know what when I was putting it together the whole album I was like I actually wrote that around the time I wrote everything else and it just fitted the mood and I was like I really want to include it on the thing so I was asking for permission of Peter Fallon to be the publicist or the publisher sorry so he gave me permission and then I asked Stephen if he would recite it and he said he'd absolutely love to and like having him on that reading that reciting that poem is so special because he is one of his best friends you know and he did he lost him he died there um two years ago now so it just feels really special and I'm so glad with how it all turned out it sounds 
really good. I'm so happy with it. Great. And Sharon Shannon on Seasons Changed, then you mentioned that song earlier. Uh, I'm guessing that she's just one of those people who you would hold up. I don't know if you'd say a hero or something like that, but it must be really nice to have her on the album as well. Yeah, like to be honest, when I um, when I was arriving to the Cliffs of Moher to do that thing with uh, Denise Shiloh and them, I was actually so nervous to meet Sharon Shannon because she is a god. Like she's like, you know, like anyone who plays trad or maybe even anyone at all. Like I grew up listening to Sharon Shannon in the car. Like literally we're like my sister playing the button accordion like Sharon Shannon probably is one of the reasons why she plays the accordion. Like she's so inspirational and she like just changed the image you know it was like it didn't have to be an old fella playing the button accordion it could be a cool girl like um so yeah I was I was so nervous meeting her and she's just so so nice like and um I, I met her a few times and you know she's just one of the nicest people I think I've ever met like she's genuinely what you see is what you get you know when you see her on tv and she's so lovely She's really like that, like all the time. She's so nice. And um, I asked her, I was, because I, I got to know her, I was like, okay, I have to ask her. She'd like play on one of the tracks. So I sent her Seasons Change and she thought it was lovely. And I just love how, so she's doing like all these bassy drones and all these kind of twiddly bits on the accordion. And it's just like, oh, just made it so class like um, she was playing the melody but turns out the accordion is quite loud compared to the harp so you couldn't really hear me so uh, we, we just we had her like make this big blanket of sound around the track so along with Sarah O'Gorman on the fiddle as well doing different lines so yeah I'm just uh, again I can't be happier with the people who I've collaborated with on the album they're all gems like just because you mentioned it there that kind of like visibility of seeing a woman playing the accordion and that being something uh that you can aspire to is that something you've only kind of realized recently that like oh it was these women who inspired me like does trad in a way or did it feel in a way anyway that it was a bit of a, a men's club is that something that you ever thought about before like it's kind of hard to say because I grew up like I said my mother is like the superhero. She plays the pipes, the flute, the piano. She plays everything. And she would have brought us to sessions and gigs and everything. So like we grew up, well, I I won't speak for my sister, but like I grew up anyway. And like mom playing music, it was just so normal. It was felt very equal. Like my dad never played it and he always wishes he could. And he'd be like, oh, I wish I could play you know, and we'd always be playing and stuff. And then my grand and my uncle and my, my granny used to play as well. So for me, it was very, yeah, very, I suppose, growing up as a kid in it. But now when you look at it, yes, I would say, especially with the button accordion. I know my, my sister, she would have been against boys all the time, I suppose, in the accordion competitions and things like that. And sometimes it would not go in her favor you know that she might have been you know but look at I won't get into that it's uh it's something that I look now on and it's more like thank god there was like Sharon Shannon because like you know we were listening to Sharon Shannon as well and we'd it always did feel very equal but 
it's since the um the fair play you know Neve Dunn has been doing a lot and um about that fair play and it's kind of when you look back it's like yeah I actually did find it really hard to get gigs as a session musician you know you'd always see the lad on the accordion you know um so yeah it is it is changing for sure but um it's it was kind of a bit of a whoa because for ages I was like no sure it's all equal so equal (laughs) and then when you just kind of look back and you're like hmm and even like through um Dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm steering my way through the, the music industry at the minute, obviously, and it's uh, yeah, it's kind of like making way for the girls. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting, uh, just hearing hearing people talk about it, and it's good to be talking about it as well, and obviously seeing it as well. Like you know, you on the harp, the other big harpist that I would be a fan of would be Gemma from Saint Sister as well. So who knows? Maybe in a couple of years we'll have a whole slew of uh, young female harpists coming through. Well, actually, it's funny you say that. I was just going to also add to that point. It's kind of gone. It was. It's been the other way as well. You know, for you know, lads playing the harp. You know, they'd nearly be like forced into playing the button accordion if they wanted to play the harp, they might have been allowed to play the harp because it's too girly, do you know? Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, so like we know, we we know a family and their uh, their son wants to play the harp and um, the the granny was saying, he can't play the harp. He's a boy, like, he wow. can't play the harp. Get him an accordion, like. And my mum was like, if he wants to play the harp, get him a harp. <laughs> and he's an absolutely amazing harpist now. And like, he's literally made a career for himself out of it. He's amazing. And mum always says like, you know, imagine like, he almost was like, put down this like lane of like, be a man, play the accordion or something. Do you know what I mean? So um, it goes both ways, I guess, you know. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. Okay, so what about what about you? Like, you've you've got this album in the can now. It's released and everything. Have you started working on on new music or anything like that? Or are you just uh, reveling in its being out in the world? Um, always have the next thing ready, don't they say? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, I um, I suppose brewing up some things. Um, but I think for the moment, it's just kind of like let's get this done right and I'm gonna like put all my energy into this release and hopefully it goes well because it costs a lot of money and <laughs> I'm running a bit dry. <laughs> love the nervous <laughs> laughter there I think a lot of musicians can relate. <laughs> so um, yeah I'll, I'll see I'll, I'll, I'll see it run its course and then I'll, I'll be back in the studio but I do have I do have a cool plan for something new. Oh Oh, on that note. <laughs> uh, listen, thanks for the chats. Apologies again for the technical difficulties. But uh, yeah, congrats on the album again. It's really, really great. And yeah, hopefully hopefully, uh, it does well for you and everything. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for taking the time for this as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
This is Waves, one of a couple of beautiful instrumental tracks on Brigine's self-titled debut album. You can get it at brigine.bandcamp.com. Finally, this week, Blood Donor is Luke Riley, formerly of Otherkin, who plays his debut Blood Donor show at the Workman's Cellar in Dublin this Saturday, October 29th, along with a five-piece band. He recently put out his third single as Blood Donor. It's called Lonely Street, and I asked him to tell us a little bit about it and Blood Donor, and then we'll hear the track in full. Blood Donor is the solo project that I embarked upon after my previous band, Otherkin, broke up in late 2019. Um, initially, Blood Donor was the name of the SoundCloud page that I you know, kind of shared all my demos and sketches of songs with my bandmates on. And then once the band broke up, it was the most fitting moniker for my solo stuff, I suppose. Uh, I brought out two songs in 2020, and initially my album, which is coming uh, next year, was actually going to be released around then. But, you know, COVID obviously (laughs) collided with everybody's plans, and uh, I sort of had to take a bit of a leave from music for a bit. But the album is done now, and Lonely Street is the first single to be released from it. So Lonely Street is probably... For me, the most appropriate first single from the album because it serves as a little bit of a bridge from the other kin stuff to the stuff on the record. It's quite a traditional indie rock sounding song with a kind of hint of spaghetti western in the guitars and the castanets. But mainly it's it's quite a direct guitar song, I would say. And then as I roll out the singles um, over the next few months, it kind of gets gradually a bit more back into the terrain I covered on um, my my first singles, Bienvenue and Under the Sun, which are kind of more producery, kind of synth-orientated rock pop songs. I'm really excited to get the album out. Uh, I'm really chuffed with it. I spent a lot of time sharpening melodies and working on lyrics that I think are just good. <laughs> it was really important for me to want to convey stories and feelings in, a, in an articulate and direct and honest way with a few kind of funny turns of phrase here and there I'd never really considered lyrics too much before which is something I kind of regret a little bit but uh, I spent a lot more time thinking about what I want to say and translating that into into the lyrics my plan is to do a show in Workman's this coming Saturday October 29th uh, and I'm really excited for that because I've got a five-piece band together uh, in order to play the songs I'm just going to be singing a lot, which I didn't really do in my previous band. That was more yelpy and the live show was really intense and frenetic. Whereas now it's a lot more laid back and the songs kind of gradually unfurl. Um, and it's going to be really nice to to actually just sing for people, I think. After that, we're doing other voices in December. And the plan is to put a few more shows in between now and the album release, which will be hopefully May or June 2023. And then just keep bringing singles out uh, in the lead up to that. And I'm really excited for people to hear uh, what I've made. And I'm really excited to give it to the world. Know now why you're being so coy. All the summertime boys used to piss you right off. Said you were a Sunday. I 
Street by Luke Riley, aka Blood Donor. Go get it at Bandcamp, blooddonor.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Luke for the voice note and letting me play the track. Really looking forward to hearing a lot more from him in the coming months and on into 2023. It's only around the corner, folks. That's the show for this week. Thanks to God Alone and Brigine for the chats. Thanks to Luke, Blood Donor, for letting me play his latest single in full. Go support Irish music and we'll be back with more next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.